Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Shane here. And next week on the show, we are going to be doing something very, very special. For the first time ever, I'm going to have my wife, Fatima, on this show. And we're going to share our story of how we met and built the relationship we have today. She's going to share her story of everything she went through on the journey and all the work and everything that had to go into being where she is today and being in our relationship today. And we really wanted to do something special for Valentine's Day to inspire you and give you hope as you head into the new year and really just share this real life love story with you. So make sure you tune in. Again, it's the first time ever my wife is going to be on the show. I am so excited to have her. So excited to have her share her story with you. I know you're going to love it. It's a really beautiful story and man, she has been through some stuff. So um, really excited to have her here and share with you. Make sure you tune in. Thanks for being with us today and let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Conscious Love Show. Whether you are single, you are in a relationship, or you're healing a broken heart, this show is here to inspire you, to remind you how beautiful, lovable, and amazing you truly are, and to give you the practical tools and insights to navigate from wherever you are right now to the loving relationship that you so deeply want to have. My name is Shane Kohler. I'm a certified transformational coach and trainer with over a decade experience helping people release their trauma and open their hearts to love. I've delivered seminars all over the world, coached thousands of people through my online platforms and programs, and every week I'm coming straight to you with the hottest insights and the best teachers around, bringing you powerful resources and profound conversations to heal your relationship with love, dating, and yourself. I'm so grateful you're here, and if it's your first time, welcome. You can count on me to always show up for you with my very best and a commitment to learn and grow myself so I can serve you to my maximum ability. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I've got some awesome things planned for you today. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Um, Shane Kohler here today. Pleasure to be back with everybody. And today we are revisiting a follow-up conversation from last week. So if you were with me last week, welcome back. If you were not with me last week, you may want to go back and check out last week's episode so that you can catch up on the first part of this conversation because today we're going into part two. And what we're talking about is how to choose the right partner. Right. And and I mean, this is a big conversation, right? Like choosing the right partner, as I said last week, this will literally define every aspect of your life. You know, Um, choosing the right partner will literally determine how happy you are in life. And not because your partner will make you happy because they won't, but because the wrong partner will definitely make you unhappy. Right. So, I mean, this every literally every single aspect of your life is going to be determined by the partner that you choose. And. Last week, what we spoke about were the um, the universal aspects of compatibility, right? For anyone, anytime, anywhere, what are the signals that this is a good person? Like, what are the signals that this is the right person for you, right? Today, we're going to talk about um, individual uh, signs of compatibility, which this varies person to person, right? This doesn't apply to everyone everywhere all the time, but this is actually very unique to you. And it's a process of really being able to discover what is right for you, what might not be right for someone else, but what is right for you. And it's so interesting because I remember when I was 
you know, younger or when I was dating my wife and, or, you know, in, in the first like couple years of our marriage, I would look at like other marriages and whether it was people I was coaching or my mentors or friends or people I knew, but I would look at other marriages and there was a kind of comparison, right? And, and I would look at what they were doing and I'd be like, are, are we doing enough? Like, do we look enough like them? And they're, you know, like I was trying to make sure that our marriage was good. And what I've learned over the years as I've, you know, coached lots of couples, as I've, you know, had lots of married friends and I've had mentors and talked to them. And like, what I've really found is that every single marriage is so different. It's so different. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, because like, I know, I know people like me and my wife, for example, we spend a lot of time together and, and we spend time apart. Like we do solo trips. We do trips with friends. Like, you know, we definitely give each other the freedom to have our own lives. But day to day, we spend a lot of time together, right? Day, like we we both work from home most of the time. So, you know, we see each other. Like we, we wake up, spend the day and go to sleep together almost every day. I mean, like, you know, I work in the basement. She works upstairs. So we have space. But it's like we spend a lot of time together. And then I see other couples that spend almost no time together. Like they work in different places. They have different groups of friends. They live completely different lives and they make time like, you know, for date nights and to spend time together on the weekends and to plan trips together. And like, and they make time together as a couple, but like so much of the time they're, they're spending apart living their own lives. And, you know, in a very, naive kind of way. Maybe I used to look at something and think like, well, if you spend more time together, that's better. If you spend less time together, that's worse. It's a very immature way of looking at things because what I've come to understand over the years is that different people have different needs and compatibility means different things for different people. I think my wife and I are both people that are relatively comfortable spending a lot of time together, seeing each other a lot. I think that's that's something that we both want in relationship, that's that's something that like it's a mutual need we have. Like we like our person to be close. We like to have that person available. We like like that's something we enjoy. Now, of course, there needs to be boundaries. There needs to be space. That person can't be available for your every beck and call every moment. Right. But generally having that person close and available is something that we both value. Other people don't necessarily value that. Right. We we have friends who like they really value their own friendships, their own lives, their own groups, their own things they're a part of. And again, one way is not good. The other way is not bad. But what I'm getting at here is that there are very unique needs that we all have in relationships. And what's important is that you get to know your own needs you get to know what you want in a partnership, what a relationship looks like for you, what a healthy relationship feels like for you. And you need to be able to know that about yourself. You need to be able to communicate about that with another person. And it, to a large extent, like you ultimately need a partner who feels similarly about a lot of those things. Now, it doesn't have to be an exact one-to-one -one match. And I'm going to talk about that today because a lot of times we're looking for an exact match and that's a huge problem because there is there is no exact match and you actually don't even necessarily want someone who is. Now, I'm going to get into all of that, but you know, what I want to say just to start this conversation is that you know, the the most important thing when it comes to individual compatibility is really getting to know yourself. 
And getting to know yourself is a very hard thing to do because the world is always telling you who you're supposed to be. Family, friends, career, lovers, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, like we're always experiencing the expectations of other people. And it can be very hard for us to really discover and be honest about who we are and what we truly want when we're constantly measuring ourselves against the expectations and the outside pressures of, of other people. But something I want to say um, before I before I get too far ahead into this conversation, because I, I know I'm going to forget if I don't say it now, is I do just want to announce an event we're hosting on February 13th called Breath of Love. And um, this is uh, going to be a gift from myself and my wife for Valentine's Day. And um, what I want to offer everybody with this is just an opportunity to do some somatic healing. And I was just sharing a little bit on Instagram before I started recording here. Um, but, you know, there are really two types of healing, right? There is the type of healing that you do around mindset, around mentally reframing things, around understanding and clarifying and communicating. And, you know, there, there's, a very, there's a very strong mental aspect of this work. And that's very important, right? And that's a lot of the coaching world lives there. A lot of the therapy world lives there, right? That's like the, the mental aspect of this work. But then there's another aspect of this work, which is the body or the somatic aspect. And the body or the somatic aspect is really about working with the deep ingrained um, body responses that we have, the, the triggers, the anxiety, the depression, the... Um, the repetitive neural pathways that are constantly being carved out. And there's a, there's a way of working somatically where it's not about coaching. It's not about talking. It's not about thinking. It's not about understanding, but it actually bypasses the mind altogether and gets deeply into the actual, the cells and the physiology of the body where you release stagnant energy that you've been carrying with you. You release a kind of heaviness that you've been carrying. You know, if you struggle with anxiety or depression, and I hear people say all the time, like, I've been doing work for years. I've been in therapy for over a decade. I've been going to, you know, I've been reading books. I, like, I've, I've done all this stuff, and yet I still feel stuck inside my body right? Like I still feel stuck inside my body. I still feel like my old triggers constantly come up. I still feel those old reactions. I still feel the anxiety. I still, you know, like my heart starts racing when I'm waiting for a call or a text for someone, right? So what I want to say is that um, a lot of you may be very familiar with listening to podcasts, reading books, being in therapy. Um, you may be familiar with that kind of work, but you may not be so familiar with the body work, the somatic work, where we actually work with the energetics and the physiology of the body. And um, this is a, an incredibly powerful form of healing that really helps to, I mean, I'm hesitant to even say this, but it's almost like a cheat code because it like, you don't have to actively do it. Like you well, you do actively do it, but you don't have to actively think about it. Like you go into the process, you have the experience and the experience itself does the work for you, right? And one of the most powerful forms of somatic healing I've found is breath work. And so what we're offering on February 13th is the breath of love, which I'm having a dear friend and mentor of mine, Lori Reyes DeSanti. She's a master breath work with over 30 years experience. 
Um, she's coming in to guide us in a process of really releasing the stagnant energy that we're holding in the body, releasing the fear, releasing the anxiety, releasing the anticipation, releasing the doubt, releasing the wondering, the am I good enough? Is it ever going to happen, right? Just really letting all of that go out of your body and opening up to a deeper and more real experience of love than anything you've ever known. So uh, this is a completely free event. We're going to be offering it on February 13th um, for Valentine's Day. Again, this is going to be a gift from myself and my wife that we just want to give you as an opportunity to experience a different form of healing and, um, and open up something new inside of yourself. So anyway, that being said, um, I just want to let you know that if you would like to join us for Breath of Love, you can find the details uh, wherever you're listening to this now. You can find the details below in the podcast description. Or if you want, if it's easier for you, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and uh, just DM me the word breath or breathe or, or some form of that. And uh, we'll make sure you get the details. But um, I just want to say that, you know, we're really excited to be hosting this event. It is going to be absolutely free. It doesn't cost anything. And we really want to give you this opportunity to experience a very deep and real form of healing that is going to bypass your conscious mind and, and get into the subconscious and the deeper levels of your body and, and your consciousness. So um, anyway, I want to give you the opportunity to experience that with us in a very safe place with a master teacher. Um, so that's February 13th. And again, uh, you can find the details in the podcast description below wherever you're listening to this now, or you can go ahead and just um, send me a DM on Instagram and we'll be happy to send you the, the details for the event. All right. So I just want to make sure I put that in um, before I forgot, because I'm going to talk about a lot today. And I know once I get going, I'm just going to forget about it. But I definitely wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. And hopefully you'll be joining us because it is powerful. And I think there's no better time to do it than February 13th, when you're probably carrying a lot of stagnant energy around Valentine's Day anyway, right? So it's really just a great way to let it all go, get a fresh start and open up to a brand new experience going into the rest of this year. That being said, um, there are a few things I really want to talk about today in terms of really getting to know yourself, knowing your needs in a relationship, knowing how to communicate about that, knowing how to find the right partner for you. The first thing I want to say is that when we talk about red, green flags I think there's a really basic level that people talk about that. And I want to elevate the conversation a little bit because, you know, when, when we look at the conversation around red and green flags, we're, we're usually t talking about like a good person and a bad person, right? Is this person a toxic narcissist or are they a good person that I can trust? And red flags reveal a toxic narcissist and green flags reveal a good person I can trust. And I want to elevate that conversation a little bit today because that's not actually what it's about. In fact, I would say very few people are actually 100% a toxic narcissist. But what some people are, are very uncompatible for you. And that same person that you think is a toxic narcissist in a different relationship, in a different experience, in a different time in their life, they might be a very healthy uh, partner, right? So Let's elevate this conversation around red and green flags. And instead of making it about a good and a bad person, let's make it about the right person for you, right? So when we're looking for red flags, we're not looking for what is categorically a bad person. What we're looking for 
are signs of compatibility for you specifically. And going back to uh, what I said earlier is like, you know, myself and my wife, we love to spend a lot of time together, but other couples may not spend as much time together. Well, if you're someone like myself or my wife that really values spending that time and someone else values like having space and having independence and having their own life and having that distance, well, you might look at that person and go, they're a toxic narcissist. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe that's just how the relationship feels to you because you have different needs than they do, right? So so many people want to sit here and say that like my ex is a narcissist or my ex is such a toxic, you know, mf -er. <laughs> And maybe they were, like, I don't know, like maybe they were, right? But, but like, does it really need to go that far would be my question. Like, do we need to take it so far as to say that this person was a toxic, fucked up nightmare? Or could it be enough just to say that we weren't compatible, right? Could it be enough just to say that I know myself, I know who I am, I know what I need, and this person did not show up in a way where we were compatible, where we were able to meet each other's needs, where we could get along well, right? This person did not show up in that way. Like in most situations, it can be enough to say that. And a lot of times we need to make that person toxic. We need to make them have done something terribly wrong. We need to make them out to be a bad person or the worst person in the world. And the reason we need to do that is because we didn't know ourselves well enough going into the relationship. We weren't clear enough about what we needed, what we wanted, about how to communicate about that, about what the red and green flags for us personally were. And so we feel because we were not so clear about all of that stuff going in, maybe we got taken for a ride. Maybe we got manipulated a little bit, or maybe we, maybe it wasn't even an overt manipulation, but maybe it was just that, you know, we didn't really speak up for ourselves. We didn't really know what we wanted. And so we got hurt. And so we need to make that person a bad person to justify the pain that we experienced. But at a certain level of consciousness, I get that. Right at a certain level of consciousness, and, and look, I've been there, I've lived that, I've done that, I've been that, I get it. But something really magical happened for me, and I think one of the most miraculous things that ever happened to me in my dating journey was when I got to a place where it could stop being about people being good or bad or right or wrong. And it could just be about this beautiful exchange of me getting to know people, of them getting to know me, of us enjoying experiences together. Uh, like, I mean, it was like, it was so beautiful. And this was like my last several relationships before I ultimately met my wife was there was this beautiful exchange of just spending time with people, exploring what potential we had, communicating authentically about our needs and our wants and finding out what compatibility was there. And then at the end of the day, it was like, listen, it's been wonderful getting to know you. If we need to go our separate ways, that's okay. And yes, like, of course, there was emotion of, of involved in that, right? If, if someone liked me, but I wanted to move in another direction, or I liked them, but they wanted to move in another direction, there was emotion involved in that. There was sadness involved in that. There was pain involved in that. But you know what? Like, we were able to handle that as adults without 
taking it out on each other. And we were able to like regulate and manage our own experiences in that. And we were able to, like I said, handle that as adults and manage our own emotions around it and give the other person the freedom to find what they were looking for and give us the freedom to find what we were looking for. And, and recognize that like if, if that person's not compatible with me, then it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how much I like them. If we're not compatible, me sitting around and pining over them does nothing but hurt me, right? Like I don't want someone who doesn't want me. And so if we can elevate this conversation, and this is what, what I call conscious dating, right? And when I coach like in the Inspired Love program, when I coach the ladies in there or with my clients, it's like, this is what we talk about. We talk about approaching these situations very consciously with a high level of self-awareness and continuing to develop a higher level of self-awareness, right? And like one of the most beautiful things that the wrong person can offer you is clarity about what you actually want. And in fact, I would suggest that if a lot of you are out there attracting people that are not the right match for you, you might want to check in with yourself and say, do I really know what I want? Do I really know what I want? Because I'm constantly attracting what I don't want. Maybe I need to acknowledge that I don't really know what I want. And maybe I need to start clarifying that so that I can get more connected to that, so that I can start inviting that in, in a more realistic way. Because when it comes down to it, and this is something I think we all miss, is like what you're really looking for in love is you're really looking for a best friend. And I know this isn't like, it's not the sexiest, most romantic, like hottest conversation in the world. You know, like most of us, we want like that movie love. We want like that, I can't stop thinking about them. I'm so obsessed with them. I'm so like, uh, like we, we want to feel that with someone and like, look, you will feel that at times, but that's not sustainable, right? Like, like I don't always feel that way about my wife and, and why? Because we're living a life. We're doing other things. We're maintaining a home. We're paying bills. We're raising a puppy. We're trying to have a family. Like, like we're, like we're doing lots of other things besides just being obsessed with each other. And so you know, what you're really looking for in a partner is not someone to be obsessed with, but like you're looking for a best friend. And, you know, something about being a best friend that, that I, I think like, it's sometimes different than what we think a relationship is going to be like, because you know, when we're lonely, we want so badly to be in love and, and to be loved by someone else. And we expect that to have a certain intensity. But when you meet someone, there is a certain intensity for a period of time, but then the intensity fades and, and it becomes about like snuggling on the couch and watching a movie together. And it becomes about like cooking meals together. And it becomes about like sharing your hearts with each other, sharing your dreams together. And it becomes about like getting up in the morning and like working your ass off toward the dream that you're manifesting together. And sometimes when you're manifesting that dream, you're 
you're like, you're tired and you're exhausted and you're grumpy and you didn't get enough sleep and you, you're hungry and you're not horny and you're not like even looking good. Right. And like, this is what being in a life partnership with somebody is like. And so when you're looking for compatibility, you're not just looking for someone who turns you on. In fact, a lot of times the person who turns you on is just activating your trauma. And I know like that's such a mindfuck when we think about it because our whole lives we've been looking for someone who turns us on and what we don't realize is they're just activating our insecure patterns from childhood and that gives us a rush that feels like we're turned on. And like, that's not really what we're looking for in love. What we're looking for is someone that you feel regulated in your body with. And I remember my wife, um, the first, the first weekend that we were together, um, this was, we had known each other. We had been in a, in a similar environment together and we had mutual friends and we had, we had met and we had known each other, but we hadn't really spent time together. And then this one weekend we connected and we ended up spending the whole weekend together. And so, um, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I had, uh, we had made plans to hang out and she had, um, she had her, her event that she was at had gone later. And so like, I was expecting her at like eight or nine and then it got to be like 11. And, um, anyway, she, I messaged her. I was like, Hey, are you still coming over? And she's like, yeah, I'm coming. I know it's a little late. Is it still okay? I was like, sure. Come on over. And, um, so she gets there and, we stayed up in my room talking till like 2 a.m. We like, you know, we're up all night talking and it was so late. And, and she says to me, she's like, I don't want to leave. And um, I was like, it's okay. You could stay. And she ended up sleeping, sleeping over that night and nothing happened. Like, you know, we, we kissed and that was all. It was like, it's total gentleman, right? We, we, we just snuggled. But she fell asleep in my arms that night. And she shared something with me. She was like, I have never been able to fall asleep with anybody ever. Like, like I can never be comfortable with someone in like, like I have to get to my own bed. I have to get to my safe space. I can never just fall asleep in someone else's house and someone else's bed and someone else's arms. And yet it happened with me. And what that, what that is is like a regulating of her nervous system, right? Like there was, there was some, like her body regulated in my presence. And that's something that is beyond like making a list of everything I want in a partner, right? Like this is not a grocery list. This is nothing like that. This is, this is something that, like it's a physiological response. And what, what I find is so crazy is that most of us are seeking out the opposite physiological response. Like instead of seeking out someone who puts our system at ease and like we could literally fall asleep in their arms, like we are seeking out someone who puts our system on alert like someone who makes us feel unsafe. And so one of the first things I want to I want to say about compatibility is like compatibility is that ability to 
feel at ease with the person. Like the ability to share a comfortable silence with someone. You know, like it's it, like this should be a flag for you. If you're with someone and for the first time in your relationship together, there's like a silence and you get very uncomfortable, like you have to fill the silence. Now that shows one of two things. Either you don't feel safe with yourself or you don't feel safe with that person. And in order to know whether or not you feel safe with that person, you have to first know what it feels like to feel safe by yourself. I'm just going to bring it back real quick to the breath of love event, right? Because we're talking about regulating your system. We're talking about somatic healing. We're talking about releasing stagnant and uncomfortable energy that you're carrying in your body, right? So um, if you're if you're interested in learning more about how to feel safe within your own body, uh, the breath of the breath of love event would be a great place to start there, because in order to know if you feel safe with another person, you have you first have to know what it feels like to feel safe. Period. And like, think about it like this: you know, if you grew up with parents who or parents. And it wasn't even necessarily your parents. Your parents might have been great, but maybe there was a home environment that didn't feel safe, right? So maybe it was the way your parents were. Maybe it was the home environment. Maybe it was the financial stress. Maybe maybe your mom was great, but your dad wasn't great, or your dad was great, but your mom wasn't great. Or maybe there was maybe there was uh, like you felt great at home, but going to school was terrifying for you. Or maybe like you're, you're, you were bullied or uh, there's so many different ways this could have happened. But if you developed a familiarity with not feeling safe inside your body when you were young and like, just honestly, most of us did, right? Like, like when I say that, I'm not talking to the minority. I'm talking to the majority because our world is so fucking scary and we have adapted to how scary it is and we just think it's normal. And so we don't recognize how unsafe we feel all the time, right? But like most of us developed a, familiar, a familiarity with feeling unsafe when we were young. And look, like you didn't feel safer like when you went to school or when you went to middle school or when you went to high school or when you went to college or when you got a job, like those environments did not make you feel safer. They were more intense. Like middle school was significantly more intense than high school. High school was significantly more intense than middle school, at least for me. And I think you probably felt the same way, right? Like when I got pushed out into the adult world at 18 years old, like that was significantly more intense than high school was. Like when I started having to have a job and pay my bills, like that was significantly more intense than like high school was, right? Like, so life as you grow up has just gotten more and more intense. And so that familiarity with not feeling safe has stayed with you. And if you have never done the somatic work to regulate your system to learn how to feel safe, then you're not going to know what it feels like to feel safe with another partner. But if you generally feel safe in your life, and this is something like, like my wife comes from an incredibly traumatic background, right? Like, and I don't want to get into all that today, but like, you know, she, she experienced a lot of like really severe abuse when she was a child. And so 
the work that she did on herself growing up was that she actually learned how to feel safe. She created a life around her that she felt very safe in. She felt very safe in her body. She felt very safe in her home. She felt very safe in her environments and her friendships and the communities that she was part of, right? So like this was something she cultivated around her was this ability to feel very safe in her life. And so then when she was with a partner, she could immediately recognize the contrast if I feel safe with this person or not. And when she fell asleep in my arms that night, it was a huge green flag. She was like, this relationship, this person makes me feel safe, right? This, was, this wasn't a mental justification. Sometimes when we feel anxiety, we try to justify it in our mind, right? We try to talk ourselves into the relationship because our body is screaming at us, this relationship is not safe, right? This is not that. This is the opposite of that. This is a physiological response to safety, like our bodies actually know what's safe. Um, Greg Braden, if any of you, if any of you know who Greg Braden is, um, he's a he's he's a scientist and uh, he was a geologist, but then over the years he's become more of a social scientist. But anyway, um, amazing guy, he, an amazing body of work, brilliant, brilliant leader, teacher, thinker. But he talks about how evolutionarily speaking, you know, like when we were cavemen and women. <laughs> Um, like if someone would walk into your cave, you had to know in an instant if this person was a threat or not, because if this person was a threat, you immediately had to like pick up a rock and defend yourself. And so when we were living as primitive people, it was built into our physiology, the ability to know whether or not we were safe. In our modern world, we have become so dependent on our egoic mind, which is our survival mind, rather than relying on our body and our intuitive center, which gives us all the information we need, we have disconnected from our body and our intuition and become heavily reliant on our thinking rational mind, which actually makes us more unsafe because that mind doesn't really know what's safe and what's not. That mind is just always trying to control things to make us feel more safe. And so I say all of this to say that we intuitively have the ability to know what safety feels like. And it's something we have to relearn because we have been trained to, to develop a hyperactive mind in this modern world we live in. So first thing I want to say about a green flag is just like that feeling of safety, that ability to feel safe with the person on a physiological level. Um, you know, something else I wanna say, and I spoke a little bit about this last week, is you have shared values. And values I shared a little bit last week, like I talked about monogamy being a value. Um, I, I wanna speak into that a little bit more because I think knowing your own values is so, so, so important. And it can be really difficult for us to know the difference between values and preferences, right? And so I'll, I'll share this example. Somebody, uh, somebody may say like veganism is a value, for example. And 
I want to use this example, and this might trigger some people, but I think it's important to talk about because I don't see veganism as a value. I see veganism as a lifestyle choice. Now, what are the values that are underlying veganism? And they could be different. Like some people might be vegan for health reasons and they might value health. Some people, like I know a lot of vegans that aren't healthy, right? Like they, they like 90% processed food, but they're vegan. And they're not vegan for health reasons. They're vegan for socially responsible reasons. They think it makes the world a better place. They think it is, it is uh, kinder to animals, right? So in, in their view of the world, they think that veganism, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is how they see it. They, they see that veganism is socially conscious. It's responsible, right? So veganism as a lifestyle choice. I would not recommend being attached to that because I've known people who were dead set on, I want to, I want to be in a relationship with a vegan. They got dead set on that, right? Non-negotiable. They have to be vegan. And so they meet a vegan, they fall in love, they get married, they have their vegan relationship. And then a couple years down the road, one of them goes through some kind of health situation where for health reasons, they have to start eating animal products for whatever reason. And now they're questioning the whole relationship. But that person had to make a change in lifestyle choices. It doesn't mean their values changed. But if you collapse lifestyle choices with values, now you're questioning the whole relationship. Because you might say, well, why was that person vegan to begin with? They were vegan for health reasons, let's say. Okay, and, and maybe you aligned on that value, right? It's very important to me that my partner is health conscious, right? Like I want us to live long. I want us to feel good. I want us to be healthy. I want us to be able to have energy to raise our kids. I want us to be able to travel. I don't want to have a couch potato lifestyle, right? So, so like health, I think, is a value. Like that's a core value. The lifestyle choice of being vegan is one way that health can show up. Being socially conscious, wanting to be a good person in the world, wanting to make socially conscious choices, caring about the welfare of animals, right? Caring about like, that is, that is a value, right? I care about the treatment of animals. I care about uh, having holistic farming practices. I care about being socially conscious. I care about the environment. Those are values. Being vegan is one way that, that, that those values could show up. And so I'm using this example because I, I think it's a potent one. And, and I, again, I know like this example could trigger some people. But I think it's, it's important to know the difference between a lifestyle choice and a value. Because values should be non-negotiables. Values are things that you put your stake in the ground. Like if my partner does not have these values, it is a fundamental incompatibility. But the lifestyle choices are flexible, right? The lifestyle choices are flexible. Like if, 
If, if me and my partner were vegan at the beginning of our relationship, but then my partner starts to have serious health complications and their doctor tells them that if you don't start to take some animal protein, you're going to die. And I love my partner. Like, of course I would want them to be healthy and happy and feel good. I wouldn't want to be so righteous about a lifestyle choice, right? So like, this is, this is where, this is where we've got to be a little bit flexible about some things. So values are non-negotiables. And I want to share just, I want to share some examples of values because it can be very confusing to distinguish values from lifestyle choices. It, It can be. My wife and I value deep conversation. And I think that is truly a value. Because there are people who are just not interested in that. Right? There are people like I re- I look at some of my past relationships and I remember like like this one relationship in particular and this was a beautiful human. Beautiful human kind heart. She was funny. She was fun to be around. She loved to have a good time. Like we had so much fun in our relationship. We went to concerts and we went on trips and like she was adventurous. She was fun to be around. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I wanted to be able to share my innermost thoughts and feelings and like not just about sharing thoughts and feelings, but sharing like ideas. Like there's being in conversation with someone and being able to share really deep ideas and having someone be able to reciprocate those ideas. That is something that not everybody is able to do. And not everybody is even interested in doing. And I remember when I was in relationship with this person, I would share things with her and it's like she would try to be open to it, but her eyes would just kind of glaze over and she'd be like, cool. You know, my wife, my wife, uh, her ex-husband, who she was married once before me, and she shares something similar about him is like she would try to have deep conversations with him and he would just be like, that's way over my head. I just don't have anything to to contribute to that. Right. And so, and I'm looking at some of the comments here and, you know, maybe conversation itself isn't the value. Uh, I see someone says like connection is the value. Um, I get that. Maybe connection is the value there. Maybe it's, um, it's like intelligence or depth of thought is the value. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like the depth of thought, right? The, somebody who has deep thoughts, somebody who has deep feelings, somebody who sits and and contemplates their life and God and the universe and what it's all about, right? Like maybe that's the value. Maybe that's what I'm getting at here, right? Somebody who actually goes there within themselves. Like that night that my wife and I, when I said she came over at 11 o'clock and we stayed up until 2 a.m. talking, like we were talking about life and love and relationships and the universe and God and spirituality, right? Like, like there, there's a, there's a depth of thought and awareness 
and interest and curiosity that we both deeply value. And if either of us were to end up in a relationship where that was not there, we would be bored to tears. And and I, I love the comments. Someone saying, Depth of listening, deep emotional vulnerability and contemplation, philosophical bent that needs a mirror. Yeah, so like, and thank you for helping me put words to this because I'm even struggling to put words to it, but, but you can see that there's a value there, right? There's a value there, like the depth of thought, the depth of emotion, the willingness to share about it. And if we were, if either of us were in a relationship where that was absent, the relationship would feel dull and empty for us. Not everybody needs that. Not everybody wants that. Like there are some people that are in a relationship with someone like that. And this person is trying to share all of this with them. And this person is rolling their eyes going like, oh my God, will you just please shut up? Right? And that's not bad. Like it's not bad for that person to feel that way. But those two people are incompatible. And this is why you've got to know yourself, right? I had, I had a relationship with another beautiful woman and like, and I, I truly respected this woman. Like she was a, she was a badass. I mean, she was a single mom and she like had her shit together and, and like she took care of her daughter and she was amazing. And I loved her. I loved our relationship. And she was even, she was even a deep thinker. Right? Like, because I would talk about things and she would listen and she would be interested, but she couldn't reciprocate. I remember like she was interested. It was like, it was like she was into it, but she could, she didn't have like something of her own to share. And I remember like always feeling just a little bit flat in the relationship because I would be pouring my heart out. And she'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. But she didn't have anything of her own to to add to it. And I, I eventually had to realize like that is a value of mine, being able to engage with my partner in that way. Like I cannot have a relationship where that's not there. So let me think of some other values. I'm trying to like, I think... I think spirituality um, is is a value. Like having being with a partner who has some form of spirituality is a value. And this might be another thing that triggers people. I think religion is a lifestyle choice. And and some people and and I get it like a lot of religions um, like enforce this like you need to marry someone who's Jewish or Christian and, and I'm not hating on that like if that's your thing like it's okay like I'm not I'm not hating on that it's totally fine but what I have found in my relationship and this might just be personality traits is that myself and my wife our authentic spiritual exploration takes us all over the place. I mean, my wife has been to India multiple times. Like I've been in Native American church. I've I've been like an intensive yoga practice. I've been in, um, I mean, I've been in satsangs. I've like, I've, I've done like so many different things around my spirituality. I've, I've gone to Christian church. I've like, like I've done so many different things. And so like, I think this, 
this connection to something greater, this connection to a higher power, this like spiritual connection, like that's a non-negotiable. I have to have a partner who has that. But I don't need to be attached to the way that looks for them. I don't need to be attached to you have to pray every day or you have to meditate every day, right? I don't, I don't need to be attached to how they express that part of themselves. I can give them the freedom to express it differently day after day. They could express it differently every day for their whole life if they want to. But I need somebody who holds that sacredly in their heart. And, and they, need to be able, they need to be able to understand how sacredly I hold that in my heart. Like for me to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't understand what that means to me would be a fundamental incompatibility. I need to be with someone. Here's another value. I need to be with someone who needs to live a life of purpose. They need to live a life of purpose. Right? So I, I've noticed this. There are there are really two different kinds of people in the world. And, and please understand when I say this, I am not hating. I am not knocking on anybody. I am just observing. But there are two different kinds of people in the world. There are people who are content having their life be about themselves and their small circle of influence. And then there are people that need to have their life be about something bigger. Right? So there are people that like all they need in life is I just need to get my needs met. I just need to feel like, you know, I have things taken care of. I feel good. I have my hobbies I enjoy. I have my friendships I enjoy. And other than that, I'm good. I don't need my life to be bigger than that. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, I'm not hating on that at all. But I am a person who needs my life to be about more than that. I need my life to be about having a bigger place in the world, making a bigger impact, having a larger voice. And I need a partner who is also that way, who understands that need. That's a value, right? I value purpose. I value making a difference. I value being socially conscious. I value using my time in this world to make a difference in a larger way. That it can't just be about me being here enjoying my life. That it needs to be about something more than that. That's a value for me. I need a partner who also values that. I want to talk about sex a little bit. Because you know, I'm trying I'm trying to think about how to speak about this one. Because I don't think that sex is a value. But I think there is, I think intimacy is a value. And there are people who value being deeply, deeply intimate and people who don't. And the level of intimacy that you value is going to determine, I think, what your sex life looks like with that person. Because... Sex can be very shallow, 
but it can also be very intimate. And depending on how you personally value intimacy, and I've heard intimacy described like this. I think it's a great way of describing it is into me you see, right? So, uh, Dancing Spirit says soul naked, right? Like, yeah, that's that's what that's what intimacy is. Like, it's like soul naked, right? <laughs> that's, that's what intimacy is, right? Intimacy is like you see all of me. You see my whole body. You see my thoughts, you see my feelings, you see my fears, you see my insecurities, you see my doubts, you see my gifts, you see my talents, you see my confidence, you see the things that are great about me. Intimacy is like, it's you see all of me, everything. And if you value intimacy, Like if you deeply, if you want to be seen deeply and you want to see your partner deeply, that is going to take your sex life to a whole realm of places that you would never go if you didn't want that. It's going to look different. It's going to be different. It's going to feel different. And so I think when we, when we talk about sexuality, it really always comes down to someone's relationship with intimacy. It really, really does. And if you are someone who craves deep intimacy, then you need a partner who also craves deep intimacy. That's a value. Now, again, there, there are people who like all they want. And actually, my, my wife's ex-husband was this way. And now he's in a relationship that is more what he was looking for, right? Like he used to, like my wife would want to have these deep conversations and share her heart and her soul. And like she would want to be so intimate with him. And he'd be like, do we really have to talk about all this? Like, can't we just, can't we just like, go on a vacation or like go out to dinner or hang out with friends or like, you know, like, like his, for him in what he was looking for was he wanted someone to like have a good time with, go to parties with like, you, you know, like, yeah, have sex with, but like, you know, it doesn't have to be like soul connecting sex. It can be good time sex, right? Like, like it's his whole frame of relationship was different. And now he's in a relationship that is more of what he wants. Right. So like they actually had so many incompatibilities on a values level that it was important for them to separate and go find more of what they actually wanted. And I know like because I, I'm, I'm hearing myself talk right now and I know it can kind of seem like I'm like I'm splitting into two camps here. Right deeply thoughtful, spiritual, intimate, intelligent, vulnerable camp and surface, I'll just call it the surface camp, right? And that wasn't necessarily my intention. I, I think that's just kind of the way this is going. But I, I think it's happening that way because this is, this is largely, this is largely the way the world is, is it, it is kind of split into two camps, and we could say that there is this, as I just said, at the surface camp, 
And there is this camp of people who are healing, people who are becoming self-aware, people who are learning more about themselves, people who are learning more about other people, who are people who are learning about humanity as a whole. And I'm not intending to say that one is better than the other, and I really hope it's not coming across that way. But what I'm intending to say is like, you've got to know yourself. And you've got to know which camp you're in. And if you're in this more awakened, growth-oriented, like intimacy-desiring, you know, socially conscious, like if you're, if you're in that camp, you got to find someone who's also in that camp. And I think what happens is, you know, in, because the world is, largely surfacy. Like if, if you're, if you're listening to this conversation right now, it's safe to say you're probably in my camp, right? Like, I don't think you'd be tuning in if you weren't. So the, the world is largely surface oriented. Like the world is largely people running from their pain, trying to, trying to just put another bandaid on top of all the things they're uncomfortable with, and like, like that is largely what drives the world. And everywhere you go, like you can't escape this. It's everywhere. It's at work. It's at school. It's just everywhere. And so I think so many of us who are in this camp of, you know, wanting depth, wanting intimacy, wanting you know, like a, a higher experience of life and love and relationship. I think we really fear that we're never going to find our equal in that sense. And maybe this is, maybe this is really the crux of the whole conversation that I'm getting to right now is that for those of us who are on this healing path is we want so deeply a partner who is also on that path. And I think we're terrified that we're not going to find it, right? We're terrified that we're not going to find it because it's, it seems so rare, right? When you go out and you're on social media, like it, it just, it seems so rare to find that person who's on that path. And what I want to say is that you find that person by being a hundred percent on your path. You've like, you've got to understand to any degree that you waver because I, and like, look, this is all my clients, right? Like, like everyone in the inspired love program, this is who they are, right? They're conscious, aware, awakened people who are on the healing path, who are in the world looking for love. And they're going like, how am I going to find my equal? in this sea of surfacy crap. And all of the all of the fear and I see like so many of you right now are commenting, yes, I fear this. So good. I'm glad I'm glad I'm really getting to the point here. I I feel like the whole conversation was intended to bring us to this point. Right? Because there's so much fear. And so those of us who are on that path, 
we waver on that path because we're so afraid that if we keep going further and further down that path, it's gonna further isolate us, it's gonna further take us away from everything we want, and how are we ever gonna meet someone who is on this path? And so we try to be like halfway on the path, halfway off, and I know this because I've lived it. We try to be halfway on the path and halfway off, and we think like, I need to be surfacy enough to be able to relate with these people and connect with these people and get them to like me while also, while also still being, and what I want to say is that you don't attract that person that way. You attract that person by going 100% into it. You attract that person by being fully and completely on your path. By being willing to let go of everything that shows up on the path that doesn't resonate, that doesn't match, that doesn't fit. By trusting more in your path than you do in the surface things that show up in front of you. And yeah, that's so, so scary. That's so, so scary. Because the only thing you can hang on to on that path is the, is the, the truth that you find inside of yourself, right? The only thing you can hang on to is the truth that you find in your own heart. And you're going to get all kinds of information from the outside world that's going to say, it can't happen and you're you you want too much your expectations are too high people aren't that deep you know you're different you need to settle like you're going to get so many impressions that tell you that and the only thing you can hang on to really is that truth inside your own heart that says no i believe this i know it's out there i know that the quality of love and relationship that i'm craving in my own soul i know that that is real and true and I can feel that. And so like, if that's so real and so true for me and I can feel that, I know that someone else must feel the same thing. And what I want to say is you've got to watch your mental talk. You've got to watch your mental talk because you are either going to talk yourself into this or you're going to talk yourself out of it. And the more you talk yourself out of it, the further away you get from actually finding that partner, but the more you talk yourself into it, the closer you become. You see, we all we all have this sense of hope inside of us that this could happen. This could be real for me. I could find this. Like the the thing that I'm dreaming about, somebody else is dreaming about that too. Like like I believe that. I can feel that. And the more you lean into that, the more real it becomes. But the more you doubt it, the less real it becomes. And so you've got to find that little flame of hope inside of yourself. 
And for some of you, it might be so small, it, it might be like just a, just a candle that's about to burn out, but it'll never completely burn out. It won't. It, it's impossible because it's who you are. It's your soul. So it can never completely burn out. But for some of you, it might just be like a flicker. It might just be like a tiny little flame. And you've got to fan that. You've got to make that bigger. And you do that by, by investing in it, by believing in it, by trusting it. Let me, let me say this. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to open up for some questions because I, I think this is going to tie it all together. So here's, here's how it works. You, ha- you need to have a mindset in which you can continue investing in that little flame, right? You need to have a mindset that says, yes, this can happen. Yes, I believe in this. Yes, I feel this. Yes, this is true. Yes, this is real. Yes, this is alive. Something that I want this badly could not be a fantasy, right? Something that has been in my soul since the day I was born cannot be a farce, right? This has, there has to be something like you need a mindset that can continue to build and reinforce those ideas. But what happens is you have ingrained experiences in your body that cause you to doubt, right? So you want, you want in your mind in your mind to have this kind of clarity and this kind of inspiration and this kind of drive and belief and confidence. But then you have experiences in your body that make you afraid. And and it is a, it is a, it is an embodied experience, right? Like start to check in the next time you get afraid. I just want you to like notice like what's happening in my body right now, right? Like the next time, the next time you're waiting for a text or a call from someone, just go, what's happening in my body right now, right? You, you go home from a great date and you're like, wow, that went amazing. But then all of a sudden you have this thought that goes, are they going to call me? And then you go, and there's that breath I was talking about earlier, right? So are they going to call me? And then, and then you start to feel something in your body. And what you're feeling in your body is not only related to the current present experience. It's related to an entire lifetime of experiences that have been creating that same feeling in your body. Maybe it's discomfort. Maybe it's tension. Maybe it's shortness of breath. Maybe it's feeling sick to your stomach. Maybe it's feeling a tightness in your shoulders. Maybe it's feeling like the weight of the world. Maybe like, but it's a familiar experience in your body that you've been feeling your entire life. And what that embodied experience does is it triggers your mind and it activates an old pattern in your mind. This is never going to happen for me. I'm not enough. Why is it taking so long? If, if I wasn't good enough for that person, I'll never be good enough for anyone. On and on and on. And so what I want to say, and I want to bring it back to what I talked about earlier going into the breath of love is this is where the somatic work is so important, right? Because you've got to move that old stuff out of your body so you're open enough to have a new experience, right? Like you've got to move that old, stagnant, repetitive, familiar, heavy, dead energy out of your body 
so you can feel spacious enough inside of yourself to have a new experience so that when that person doesn't text you back right away and that thought comes that they go, when are they going to text me? Did they not like me? Did I say something stupid? When that thought comes, you can then be spacious enough inside of your body and your own being to let that breath out, right? It's not just, but you actually complete the breath and you go, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. If they don't text me back, something better will come along. But you can't get there in your mind when your experiences and your reactions in your body are too visceral. So last thing I want to say, and then I will um, wrap it up with this, is that we do have Breath of Love on February 13th. I know I've been talking about it, but I want to put it out there again. Um, it is an absolutely free event. It is an opportunity, especially around Valentine's Day, when I know so many of us are carrying this heavy energy about here I am another Valentine's Day and it still hasn't happened for me. And when is it going to happen? And why isn't it happening? And what's wrong with me? And all of this stuff that I know is going on for us, even if we like to pretend it's not, I get it. And it's okay. It's normal. It's human, right? Like, don't even judge yourself for it. Just, just like, just roll your eyes at it. Like, here it is again, right? Like, you, you don't have to take it that seriously. But what you do need to do is you got to work it out of your body, right? You, you got to stop carrying it year after year after year after year after year. And so I want to invite you to join me for Breath of Love, where you can get an introduction to a very powerful form of somatic healing that is, um, for some of you, maybe an introduction, for some of you, maybe a continuation of practices you've already learned. But it's going to be an opportunity for us to come together and really do some real healing work, especially around Valentine's Day, especially around love and dating and relationship. Just It's an opportunity to really get it all out of your body so you can up, open up to a very new way of thinking and feeling about all of this this year. So um, breath of love. Again, I just want to say wherever you're listening to the, this podcast, you can find the details in the description below. Or if you want to, just go ahead and shoot me a DM on Instagram and um, DM me the word breathe. And I will make sure to send you all the details for that event so you can join us on the 13th. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a really, really powerful event. And I really, really hope you make some time to be there with us. You will not regret it. I promise. It, it will probably blow your fucking mind and you will be like, what the hell just happened to me? Like that is how powerful this is. And if you think I'm kidding, try it and tell me if I'm kidding. But, you know, um, all right. Anyway, that being said, I want to go ahead and open up for some questions. Um, I'll take a few questions today. And uh, yeah, let me just see what we have. Okay, this question comes from Alicia Fiona. She says, what's your advice for someone who's been single for 10 years? There comes a time when you lose hope that it will never happen. There's a line in A Course in Miracles that says there is no order of difficulty in miracles. And um, I, I, I want to share that because what that really means, I know that probably makes no sense to most people if you haven't studied the course, but what that really means is like, 
it's not really harder for any one thing to happen than any other thing. Like we have it in our minds that some things happen easily and some things happen difficult. Like like some things happen easily, some things are difficult to have them happen. Um, And that's, that's an illusion that we have created based on our perception of life. So we don't see life as it actually is. We see life as we are, right? So the reality is, Alicia, for Alicia and for anyone, because look, you're not the only one, Alicia, and I'm sending you some love right now. I hear you. I get it. You are definitely not the only one. We have ladies in the Inspired Love program that I have this conversation with. I, I mean, like like my private clients. I mean, look, this this is the struggle, right? This is the challenge. And we don't see life as it is. We see life as we are. And so the reality is, the objective reality is, Alicia, and for anyone who's struggling with this, is that there are 8 billion people in the world. If you're attracted to men or women or whoever you're attracted to, within 100 miles of where you live, there are tons of them. Right? Like there's, there are so, so, so many opportunities. More than you could even imagine. And I understand that when you look at life, it doesn't seem like it's that way. Because you see life as you are. And so when you look out at life, you don't see that there are 8 billion people in the world that literally within 100 miles of your house, there are tons of opportunities to find love. Like you don't, you don't see all of that. What you see is your disappointment from past experiences. You see that you've been single for 10 years. You see the times that you've tried and you've failed. You see the times that you've gotten your hopes up and been let down. You see the times that you've been mistreated or rejected or hurt or that someone was dishonest with you or someone led you on and and on and on and on, right? You don't see life as it is. You filter life through the experiences that you've had. Now, the way to find hope is first to really, like, really let that in. And I know, like, you might say, well, how do I let that in? And that, I mean, that's, I think that's a personal journey for everyone, right? It's like, how do we really open ourselves up? How do we really, like, let it sink in? How do I stop perpetuating the old ideas and the old beliefs and the old hopeless perspective, right? I mean, I would say somatic work is probably huge. If you've been perpetuating this idea for 10 years, it's not just in your mind, it's in your body, right? So like, I'd say, Alicia, for you and for anyone, the best way to hope, the best way to create hope is to throw yourself into healing work. Like hire a coach, hire a therapist, and you may or may not already be in therapy, I don't know, but like, like, and I get this question so much. People are like, people are like, it's been this way for so long, why won't it change? And I'm like, well, realistically, what have you done that's different? 
right? Like realistically, what have you done that's different? Like, you know, I'm just going to say this in, in inspired love. Like I lead deep somatic healing processes where like we literally scream pain out of our bodies. When was the last time you did something like that? And I'm not just talking to Alicia. I'm talking to everybody right now. Like when was the last time you actually got into an environment, a safe space where you could literally just scream pain out of your body? Whether you did it on your own time, whether you did it with a guide or as a part of a program. Like if you haven't done that, then it's highly likely that you are carrying pain inside your body. And that pain is informing your consciousness every day of what's possible for you and what's not, of what you can hope for and what you can't, of what you can expect from relationships and what you can't. So like that's, that's the first thing I would say is like, what kind of healing work are you doing? And if you're like, well, I've been in a program for a while or I've been, I've been in therapy for a while and I would say, okay, like awesome. Based on the results you're getting from that program or from the therapy you're in, is anything changing in any real way? And you got to give it some time. So maybe, you know, if you just started, give it a year, give it a couple years. But if you've been doing it for 10 years, like honestly, what's changed? What's changed? And if nothing has changed, then maybe you've got to acknowledge that you've gotten into a therapeutic environment or a program that is comfortable for you and makes you feel good about yourself, but isn't actually facilitating real change in your life. And there's a lot of that out there. There are a lot of coaches out there that just say things that make people feel good about themselves and keep them coming around month after month, but the coaches aren't really challenging people in a way that's creating real change in their life. So like that, that's the first thing I would say. It's just like, you've got to start doing things that are going to shift your experience. And that goes for everybody. Like there's really if you've been having a perpetual experience of anything in life, of finances, of relationships, of dating, of health, of like your own mental health, like if you are having just repetitive experiences that are the same year after year after year going on for decades, like at some point you've got to say like, why haven't I done anything to change this? And so I would leave it at that, Alicia. And I say this with lots of love. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on you. And I'm saying this to you and anyone who feels they're in a similar position, right? But if you're stuck in a 10-year rut, then I would really challenge you to start seriously challenging yourself. Like whatever you've been doing for the last 10 years, you haven't been challenging yourself to do radically different things. You may have tried this thing or that thing here and there, but you're doing things that are making you feel better about yourself and keeping you comfortable. You're not getting serious about radically making differences in your life. Lots of love to you. I hope that opens up something. If you want to shoot me a message, we could chat about it. 
uh, see where you are a little further, I'm happy to do that too. Um, yeah, lots of love to you. Um, Smile at Fear is asking how to heal from the mother wound. All healing from all wounds is really about putting some distance between yourself and the wound, right? So it's about recognizing the pattern as we've been talking about the patterns that are present in your body, the patterns that are present in your mind. So there are certain patterns of feeling in your body that get activated over and over and over and over again. These are very familiar feelings that you feel frequently in your body. Very familiar patterns of thinking, certain neural pathways that time and time again, you, you think those same thoughts. You tell yourself those same stories. Healing is about getting in a position with yourself where you can see those feelings and you can see those thoughts and you can put some space between yourself and them. Now, do you need to actually put space between yourself and your mother? Sometimes you do, right? If your mother's right up in your space, like sometimes you need that space there before you can really like find out who you are in her absence, right? But whether you need to detach from her physically or not, what you need to do is create some space inside of yourself where you can see those old patterns of feeling when they get triggered and those old patterns of thinking. And, and usually what will happen is something will trigger you and you will feel it first in your body and it'll be like, <gasps> and then after it hits you in your body, your mind starts reacting to it and your mind starts trying to fix it. And then what usually happens is we get caught up in our mind trying to fix it, and that just perpetuates the intensity that we're feeling in our body. And so what you've got to do is actually get out of your mind, back into your body, create some distance, observe what's happening there in your body, and you just kind of give it some love and hold it until it's past. Your ability to do that is your ability to heal the mother wound or any wound. So what I would say is when you get triggered, when that mother wound, as you're calling it, is triggered, that's when you want to first identify that it's triggered. Then say, okay, recognize the thoughts that are present, recognize the feelings that are present, and then just try to sit with it. Just try to allow it to be there. Give it some love. Give it some space to work itself out on its own without putting pressure on yourself to get over it. And that's how you heal these things. There are lots of modalities that help. I mean, we've been talking about breath work today, meditation. I mean, there are lots of different modalities that can help with that. But that's the, that's the practice of it. And I'll, I'll leave it at that for today. But thank you for the question. Oh, I see Angel Light um, asking if the breath of love is similar to holotropic breathing. Actually, yes. Yes, it is. So thank you for asking. If you're familiar with holotropic breathing or, or breaths that are similar to that, that's more in the vein of what we're going to be doing. Um, Lori, the, the facilitator, she could tell you about holotropic versus rebirthing versus all the different methodologies and what they all mean and what they're all for. I can't go into all that detail about it. She's the master, not me. But uh, yes, it is in that vein of that style of breathing. To, so if you're, if you're familiar with what that is, then yes, that's the kind of breath we're going to be doing.
I just want to follow up on this comment from Alicia. Um, she says, I've been doing deep healing work for three years and I've noticed that the men I'm attracted to is changing for the better. Thank you. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. So glad to hear that, Alicia. And so that's where your hope is going to come from, right? I just want to say that like you recognizing that, okay, I've been doing the work. I see that things are changing. That's where my hope is going to come from, right? With everything that I see changing, that gives me hope, right? With me recognizing I'm more, I'm attracted to healthier people, that gives me hope, right? So that, that is where the healing is going to come from, or excuse me, that's where the hope is going to come from. Right. So yes, I, I love that you found some, something that is working for you. I love that you are noticing the differences. And all I want to say is like, you've got to just stay on that path. There are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be peaks and valleys. You're going to feel better about it some days than others, but stay on that path. And more and more will keep opening up for you the further you go along that path. And thanks for, thanks for sharing that with me. I'm really grateful to hear that. Really happy for you. And that's a great sign. All right. I think I'm going to close it out with that today. Um, we, we've, we've covered a lot and I don't, I don't want to go too, too much further with it today, but I do just want to say thank you everybody for being on with me. Um, it's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. And I always look forward to these conversations. So um, I do hope you take the opportunity to join us for the Breath of Love event. Again, um, you can find the details right below wherever you're listening to this podcast or just send me a DM on Instagram. That's going to be uh, probably the best way to reach me directly. And uh, we'll make sure you get the details for the event. Um, other than that, thank you for being on with me today. Lots of love, everybody. Many blessings. And I'll see you back here next week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.